Rothy's.com, add comfort to your gift list, beat our styles from men's and women's shoes to a whole wide array of bags, discover sustainable styles made for all, better for the planet. Rothy's believes there is a way to do things, one that puts the planet and its people first, from better materials to manufacturing and of and finally, to recycling, Rothy's is committed to closing the gap at every step. Give $20, get $20. Tell a friend about Rothy's and you'll both get two $20 off your next purchase. So go ahead, tell a friend the gift of choice that takes the guesswork out of gifting with a pick that never goes out of style. Stay in the know. Try Rothy's today for better comfortable shoes that are better for the planet. Good morning. Hope you're having a happy 4th of July. Here is chapter 24 of Laura Ingalls Wilder's By the Shores of Silver Lake, titled The Spring Rush. No music tonight, Pa said that evening at the supper table, early to bed and early to rise, and day after tomorrow are claims on the homestead. On the homestead. I'll be glad, Charles said Ma. After all the bustle of last night and this morning, the house was quiet and composed again. The, work, the supper work was done, Grace slept in the trundle bed, and Ma was packing that lunch that Pa would eat on the way to Brookings. Listen, Mary said. I hear somebody talking. Laura pressed her face to the window pane and shut out the lamplight with her hands. Against the snow, she saw a dark team uh, and a wagon full of men. One of them shouted again, then another jumped to the ground. Pa went to meet him, and they stood talking. Then Pa came in and shut the door behind him. There's five of them, Carolyn, he said. Strangers on the way to Huron. There isn't room for them here, said Ma. Carolyn, we've got to put them up for the night. There isn't any other place they can stay or get a bite to eat. Their team is tired out and they're greenhorns. If we try to get them to Huron tonight, they'll lose themselves on the prairie and maybe freeze to death. Ma said, well, you know best, Charles. So Ma cooked supper for the five strange men. They filled the place with their loud boots and loud voices and their bedding piled in heaps, ready to make their beds on the floor by the stove. Even before the supper dish was finished, Ma took her hands from the dishwasher and said quietly, It's bedtime, girls. It was not bedtime, but they knew that she meant that they were not allowed to stay downstairs among those strange men. Carrie followed Mary through the stair door, but Ma held Laura back to slip into her hand a strong silver of, a strong sliver of wood. Push this into the slot above the latch, Ma said. Push it in well and leave it there. There, then no one can lift the latch and open the door. I want the door to be locked. Don't come down till I call you tomorrow morning. In the morning, Laura and Mary and Carrie lay in bed after the sun was up. Downstairs, they heard the strangers talking and breakfast dishes clattering. Ma said not to come till she called us, Laura insisted. I wish they'd go away, said Carrie. I don't like strangers. I don't either, and neither does Ma, Laura said. It takes them a long time to get started because they're greenhorns. At last they were gone, and at dinner, ta- at, and at dinner Pa said he would go to Brookings tomorrow. No use starting unless I start early, he said. I, it's a long day's trip, and there's no sense in starting after sunup and having to camp out overnight in this cold. That night, more strangers came. The next night, there were even more. There were more. Ma said, Mercy us, aren't we to have one night in peace by ourselves? I can't help it, Laura, Carolyn said, Ma. Pa, we can't refuse folks shelter when there's nowhere else they can stay. We can charge them for it, Charles, Ma said firmly. Pa did not like to charge folks with shelter and a meal, but he knew that Ma was right, so he charged 25 cents a meal. 
and 25 cents for shelter overnight for a man or horse. There was no more singing, no more comfortable suppers or cozy evenings. Every day more strangers crowded around the supper table, and every night as soon as all the dishes were washed, Lord, Mary, and Carrie had to go up to the attic and fasten the door behind them. The strangers came from Iowa, from Ohio, from Illinois and Michigan, from Wisconsin and Minnesota, and even far away, and even from far away New York and Vermont. They were going to Huron or to Fort Pierre or even farther west looking for homesteads. One morning, Laura sat in bed listening. Where's Pa? I wonder. He, she said, I don't hear Pa's voice. That's Mr. Post talking. Maybe he's gone to get the homestead, Mary guessed. When at last the loaded wagons went away to the west and Mom called the girls downstairs, she says that Pa had started before sunup. He didn't want to go and leave us in this rush, she said, but he had to. Someone else will get the homestead if he doesn't hurry. He had no idea that people would rush in there like this and March had hardly be and March hardly begun. This was the first week in March. The door was open and the air felt like spring. When March comes in like a lamb, it goes out like a lion, said Ma. Come, girls, there's work to be done. Let's get this house in order before travelers come. I wish nobody'd come till Pa gets back, Laura said while she and Carrie washed the stacks of dishes. Maybe nobody will, Carrie hoped. Mr. Bust is going to look after things while your Pa's gone, Ma said. He asked Mr. and Mrs. Bust to stay here. They'll sleep in the bedroom, and Grace and I will go upstairs with you girls. Mrs. Bulls came to help. That day was that day they cleaned the whole house and moved the beds. They were all very tired. When in the last of the sunset they saw a wagon coming from the east, there were five men in it. Mrs. Bulls helped them put their horses in the stable. Mrs. Bulls helped Ma cook their suppers. They had not finished eating and another wagon brought four men. Laura cleared the table, washed the dishes, and helped put supper on the table for them. While they were eating, a third wagon brought six men. Mary had gone upstairs to be away from the crowd. Carrie sang Grace to sleep in the bedroom with the door shut. Laura cleared the table again and washed the dishes again. This is the worst shit, Ma said to Mrs. Bose when they met in the pantry. There isn't room for 15 on the floor. We'll have to put some beds in the lean-to and they'll have to use their robes and blankets and coats for bedding. Rob will tend to it. I'll speak to him, said Mrs. Bose. Mercy me, that's... Not another wagon. Laura had to wash the dishes again and reset the table again. The house was so full of strange men, strange eyes, and strange horses, and bulky coats, and muddy boots that she could hardly get through the crowd. At last, they were all filled, for, and for the last time, the last dish was washed. Ma, with Grace in her arms, followed Laura and Carrie to the stairs, carefully fastened the door behind them. Mary was sleeping in bed, and Laura could not keep her eyes open while she undressed. But as soon as she lay down, she was awakened by the strange, by the noise downstairs. There was a loud talking and walking. Ma sat up and, to listen. The downstairs room was still, so Mr. Bush must think that was that the noise was all right. Ma laid down again. The noise grew louder. Sometimes it almost stopped, and then suddenly it burst out. A crash shook the house, and Laura sat straight up, crying out, Ma, what's that? Ma's voice was so low that it seemed louder than all the shouting downstairs. Be quiet, Laura, she said. Lie down. Laura thought she could not she could not sleep. She was so tired that the noise tormented her. But another crash woke her out of a sound sleep. Ma said, It's all right, Laura. Mr. Bose is there. Laura slept again. In the morning, Ma gently shook her awake and whispered, Come, Laura, it's time to get breakfast. Let's let the other sleep. They went downstairs together. Mr. Bose had taken up the beds, tossed sleepy and red-eyed. The men were getting into their boots and coats. Ma and Mrs. Bose hurried breakfast. The table was small. There were not dishes enough so that Laura set the table and washed the dishes three times. At last, the men were gone, and Ma called Mary while she and Mrs. Bose cooked more breakfast, and Laura washed dishes and set the table once more. My, such a sight, 
my, my such a night, Mrs. Bosley. What was the matter, Mary wanted? I think they were drunk, Ma said, tight-lipped. I say they were, Mrs. Bosley told her. They bought, brought bottles and a jug of whiskey. I thought once I would have to interfere, but, the, but what could I do against the crowd of fifteen drunks? I decided to let them fight it out unless they set the house on fire. I'm thankful they didn't, said Ma. That day a young man drove up to the house with a loaded lumber. He had hauled the boards from Brookings to build a store on the town site. Pleasantly, he urged Ma to board him while he was building, and Ma could not refuse because there was no other place where he could eat. Next came man and his son from Sioux Falls. They had brought lumber to build a grocery store. They begged Ma to board them, and after she had agreed to, she said to Laura, might as well be hung for a sheep as a lamb. If English doesn't hurry back, we'll have a town here before he comes, said Mr. Bowles. I only hope he's not too late to file on a homestead, Ma replied anxiously. Thanks for listening to this chapter of Laura Ingalls Wilders by the Shores of Summer Lake. Have a happy 4th of July and stay safe.